Hey there, before you jump into this week's episode, I just want to let you know that our membership is open. It's completely free. It's a careers and wellbeing platform with on-demand content and monthly live sessions with incredible coaches. So what are you waiting for? Head over to community.jobsforwomen.co.uk forward slash join and I'll see you in there. Enjoy this week's episode. Hey there, welcome to the Jobs for Women podcast, where we empower and uplift women to succeed and thrive in their professional life whilst looking after their well-being. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the issues and challenges faced by women in the workplace with particular focus on gender equality. We believe that every woman deserves the opportunity to excel in her career regardless of her gender, and we're committed to helping women break through the barriers that hold them back. Join us every week as we hear from experts, share stories and give advice. We've got an incredible community of women who support and encourage each other and we're so happy that you are here. Let's break down the gender barriers and create a more equitable and inclusive workplace for all. So welcome to another episode of the Jobs for Women podcast. I'm really excited to welcome our guest this week, Em Ledger. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, well, it's great to have you. And and just so everyone knows, we're recording nice and early, so we're kickstarting the day in the best possible way. So if our voices are a little bit croaky, then that's why. So Em, you are Senior Product Manager at the BBC, and we met at an event, um, and Em was on the panel, and everything she said just totally resonated with what our mission is at Jobs for Women demystifying roots into roles not necessarily just for women but we will talk about that um and yeah I was just I felt like we were so on the same page and I know you're a massive champion for, for diversity equality and inclusion so I was really keen to get him on the podcast and she said yes which is always brilliant um so I just want to jump right in and I'd love you to talk about how you got into what you're you're working in what was the route in for you so for me um i almost feel like i fell into tech so i went and got a degree in film and media production which at the time i think i was very naive didn't really understand what it meant to kind of get a degree and get out there i just felt so lucky to be able to go to uni i was the first in my family to do it and i didn't really think much further past it uh now i think well what what did i assume i could do after that did i think that i would be steven spielberg i don't know um but it was very much the i think the start of me understanding that i had like a technical brain if you want so you know rather than film studies it was film production and i learned to edit and you know lighting and cinematography darkroom photography um and i think yeah at that point i started realizing i i get a kick out of that type of work um and then so at the end of my degree when i started looking out there and, and figuring out how, how i was going to apply this and what what life looked like i actually found myself in retail and one of the shops that i worked in was like a small independent and it was around this is going to age me very specifically it was when epos systems first came out so that was the early e-commerce and um you know people were just started to share products on ebay uh, this is like massive retailers uploading manually to ebay and wow. we had someone come in to install the software and i thought oh i kind of like this and my boss at the time said oh i think you've got a bit of a skill here like do you want to 
um, kind of take it on for us and do the cataloging and stuff. And I just found myself like lost in that process of cataloging, like kind of repetitive, like very strictly organized processes. Um, so again, okay, something's ticking here. I quite like this sort of activity. Um, and then that ended up me setting up my own business. So I kind of saw a bit of a gap in the market. It was for women's street and skatewear. And um, yeah, so I just basically taught myself how to build a website, um, learned what digital marketing was, like how do people find you and, and all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, for three years, just over three years, I ran my own business. And I think by the end of that, I mean, it's very hard to be a small business, right? <laughs> um, especially yeah. back in 2010, 2011. And I was so proud of myself for doing it for three years. But I thought, this is not what I want to do long term. And actually, what I understood about the role was, I, you know, I really liked the tech elements of it. I could have kind of gone two ways. I could have gone back to retail and thought, well, you know, I've got more retail experience. But actually, there was something there and it, it just kept, you know, nudging at me. And um, yeah, that's when I actually got my first job in tech. So I, like I say, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, but for me, that was the pivotal point of understanding how massive tech is, how we don't really know much about it at all, unless we have somebody that we know, a relative, maybe a, a friend, someone to actually, like you, I use your phrase, demystify. What is this world of tech? How do we get in? It's billionaires. Can I see myself there? <laughs> you know, um, and, and that to me was, uh, that was my way in, if you want. I love that. That's an amazing story. Talk to us. So, you you know, when you look, I, I've got massive respect for anyone that launches their own business. I know you said you touched on it then. It's hard. It is hard. And you ran it for three years. Well done. Did you, is there a reason why you stopped doing it? It was just too hard. I mean, trying to do a small business anyway, but then it being retail and it being niche. It, yeah, I think, especially because at the time I was 24 and there was just a lot that I wanted to do. And it was just, you know, the, I guess the financial pressure, but also the constraint of being one person, being a sole trader uh, at 24, trying to run a business and also trying to have some kind of life. I think it just wasn't the right time. But, you know, as I said, I don't regret anything because it got me to where I am, but it just wasn't sustainable. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was trying my best. But yeah, I, I, I'm a massive believer and advocate for that. I wouldn't change anything either about because I think everything adds to your experience and your your makeup. Yeah. So I just wanted to pick on sort of touch on something that you just said, you know, like you had like it within like you're interested in the tech and you know, like the cataloging and there was something. Do you think for uh, any women listening to this podcast that they're potentially thinking about a career in tech that they need that, oh, that's a little spark or interest? Or do you think that anyone can do tech? I honestly think anyone can do tech. And I say that as a person who probably has a few extra barriers. So, you know, we all have these different barriers and um, for me, I have dyscalculia, um, which is like math dyslexia. And if anyone told me oh, you might be able to get a job in tech, I would just think, how? I can't even do maths. Right. That, you know, when I sort of have that unkind voice, um, because I would think that tech would mean you would need maths. Similarly, attention to detail. I also have ADHD. So there's something there as well. Of, is this for you? 
And then on top of that, you know, I'm a working class background. There's not many of us representing in the tech world. You know, how do we get that way in? Often, um, or at least I thought that you could only get into these types of uh, industry like a first class degree or someone kind of got you there or, you know, the moving in certain circles that I wasn't a part of. So um, I'm really like very uh, vocal as much as I can be and visible as I can be to let people know that it's not the case. Like there is something for everybody within tech. I think you just need to find where it is you fit. Um, and the thing that I would say as well is tech is constantly evolving. New jobs are coming up all the time. Um, and, you know, that often means that there is no prerequisite. There is no, you need to do this particular degree. You know, recruiters are often looking for a person, you know, a personality type. And I think that's really exciting as well about getting into tech and, and kind of taking your career in a direction you never even thought was possible. I love that. And and the panel that you were talking on, um, you touched on the pathways into tech. And I think that what, what you just said then about like often recruiters are looking for people, but there are companies out there that have this strict criteria and insane job descriptions. And I loved it. I remember I told you afterwards, I even wrote it in my notes, the things that you said, it's kind of like, what do you really need for this job? Like what is essential? And then what is desirable? And let's let's reframe the job ads because we know that women only apply when it's like 90 to 100 percent then when they hit all of the criteria and I know I've been there and done that looking at yep. job ads and been like no I can't and we know men apply if it's like 60 percent so there's a massive piece isn't there for companies to step up and be like hang on a minute there's all this amazing talent out there how are we going to get them in what do you think companies should be doing should do you reckon they should because there was an article the other day where kellogg's has um i can't remember the exact statistic but they've cut out the requirement for degrees for uh, the large majority of their jobs and i was like this is what we need because you know when you talked about as well at the beginning when you did your your tv film production um my brother also did a degree like that and we often joke like i was the one saying I need a vocational degree because I need to know what I'm going to go into it my bro was just like I just love it I wanted to do it and and it's kind yeah. of like are we, are we losing sight of like are people doing it because they're the passion is there or do we need to be do we need to lose that passion and just think job route and I think with companies easing off on the requirements have degrees or certain you know essentials then they're definitely missing out on this pool of talent out there don't you think absolutely and i think one thing that i would say is we're in a world now where people feel a lot more empowered a lot more in control um you know the the example that i would use is if we have a problem with something we have absolutely no issue with sending i don't know a public tweet to tesco to say i just had this awful service we feel this access to whatever we want whenever we want we can order food in the middle of the night we can do whatever right we have more power than, than, than we were used to having and that's the kind of difference between the generations that we have now and the sort of more older generations and, and previous generations where i think we have the ability to kind of pave our own ways in a, in a different kind of way does that make sense so Yes. I think to come back to the point, this is, this is my classic brain working here, is 
we are able to kind of have like a two-way conversation now with recruiters we know what we want and we know our worth more than, than we used to i think a lot of um like you've talked to our parents or grandparents there's this um idea of when you go to an interview it's kind of an knowledge thing you know please kind of have the job i'm going to kind of walk on a tight rope and I, and I must pretend to be all these things that i'm actually not to try and get this job and actually now no it is more of a we're interviewing each other are the you the right fit for me um is the culture going to be right for me and i also think uh, you know a massive part of jobs today where loyalty is not so much of a big deal you know you don't have to work 20 years for the council to get your pension and stuff people just dart around you know it's it's all about a sense of belonging and a sense of place and a sense of purpose i think that's a massive part of particularly like millennial um, and younger generations is no actually this isn't working for me like i don't agree with your politics or i don't agree with the way that you treat x people or whatever you know it there's a lot in the mix and i think if you come to the table as being appreciative of that as a recruiter um and say do you know what we're looking for this particular role we understand that what we're looking for here is an associate role so we're going to assume that you're brand new to this here's the training we're going to offer you how can we make you feel comfortable and come here and do your best work and feel that strong sense of purpose that's the angle that's how you're going to get the best people in and the people who want to be there not just people who are like oh i think i want this job i'm not really sure but i'm just going to tell you what you want to hear you know it's a whole different vibe i love that i can so relate to that please sir please can I have this job you know like begging i yeah. used to just become like, i used to become like a whole different person i'd be like yes i do this and yes i'm never late and and yeah i love yeah. that the dial has changed i love that you said that um so just moving on to like what you're doing now can you, i mean i'm intrigued what does a product manager at the bbc do what's what do you do day to day what what is your job so um generally speaking a product manager is kind of like a business owner in that you have an area that you own. Um, so I would describe it a bit like real estate. So digital real estate, you have this little section that's your baby and you kind of do everything for it. You're the representative for that area. You're the subject matter expert for that area. You take care of it. So if there's anything broken, you fix it. If um, you kind of have a future vision of where it's going to go, you know, what it's life is going to look like if you want, you've got this whole thing where you are the, the manager, if you want, it's sometimes called a product owner, you own just this little thing that is all yours. And in a digital perspective, and to use an example of what I actually do, so at the BBC, I look after signing in. So if you imagine, you know, probably everybody listening to this uses the BBC, there's a lot of people. Um, and it's quite vast. So all of the apps, so if we're talking like BBC Sport, News, iPlayer, all of those require signing in. So um, what I do is essentially product manage a, a horizontal or a vertical, depending on where your job lies. Mine is a horizontal. It means it touches all of the products that come in vertically like that. So the same sign-in experience for iPlayer to News to Sport. and we have to think what do users want where are users experiencing friction what does signing in look like in 10 years time will we even have passwords it's this kind of make sure it works make life easier for the users and then think where is it going in the future so we don't fall behind so that's essentially what a product manager 
does and works with development teams um, to, to funnel the work in, to kind of put together requirements and um, yeah, and then pretty much just represent that area. So if there's ever anything that needs doing um, or a different area says, do you know what, we're going to move to pass keys or we're going to move to this future way of uh, having no password then I would talk to senior stakeholders and lots of other stakeholders in every area to say, hey, we're going to make this change that's going to impact you. So it's a lot of talking to people all the time, <laughs> discussing things. And um, yeah, like I said, just taking care of that area and, and thinking what the future will look like. So for me, I think it blends perfectly this kind of technical mindset and problem solving as well as creativity, which has always been there as well. And it's, it's a great way to bring those two together. That is that sounds so incredible. Um, I mean, that's just a brilliant soundbite, isn't it? Like I was like, I'd love to do that job. That sounds amazing. And I didn't <laughs> no, I didn't know that. And I think this is what we've talked about, haven't we? About how do we let women or, or individuals know that these careers are out there and they are possible to do? Like that just sounds like a brilliant a brilliant job and also really rewarding are you involved in that process you know when we talk about like the passwords do you get involved in that research or is that like a separate team that will look into what the future looks like so i would say in product management because it's such a growing area and a lot of companies now that would never have had a role as a product manager now do it's just quite essential um I would say it's a very good way of bringing together what the business needs and what the user or the customer needs and you're kind of in the middle so as it continues to expand we also now have lots of like uxd roles so user experience design uh, uxr um, user experience researchers so you kind of work together um to go and do research now not every product manager will have um uxd departments uh, in their organization so sometimes product managers do do their own research but typically it'll be a collaborative thing with a design team um, where you'll do things like compare to research you'll go and interview people you'll have focus groups you know it's kind of a modern way of saying a focus group <laughs> and doing it online as opposed to back in the day when you used to have people sat around the table um, which I'm sure Kellogg's would have done back uh, back then so <laughs> yeah th there is a lot of that there is a I would say product person is responsible for bringing the strategy together, understanding the problem statements and the needs, and then design kind of come and say, right, let's validate that hypothesis. Let's put some actual facts to it, bring the data together. And then that's when you then start pushing it through to development. It's so interesting. Um, and if someone's listening and they're thinking, hey, that job is for me. What is their route in? How if they've not got if they've because I know we, we're doing a lot at the moment about career transitions. We've got a podcast coming up. We've got um, a webinar session, coaching session that we're running because I think we also did a, a podcast on uh, menopause and women leaving, but then coming back into the the workplace. How do you feel about like career transitions or routes in? To, to so someone's listening, just to go all the way back to the start of my question. Someone's <laughs> listening and like. I want to do that. How 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 are they going to get in to somewhere like the BBC? Not necessarily the so, BBC, but what's their way? I think there's probably if you were thinking about doing product specifically, now there are courses that you can do online, um, which is certainly helpful. That said, it is often a role that you can get into sort of diagonally. <laughs> um or 
kind of yeah I'll, I'll stick with diagonally that, that's a good way to do it so for example if you have any kind of tech background be it maybe you did an engineering degree i don't know maybe you just did a, a code academy course for a weekend right whatever interest you've got that will help you to understand what this job entails so while you don't need it it's very helpful and to me it's about joining communities and getting your face out there so all of the companies that i've worked for since being in tech do some level of outreach so they'll do you know free city-based events where you can come in and, and watch demos they'll do talks um similar to what you were saying with the podcast which is awesome there will be some level of um kind of cultural imprint if you want of all those companies because they want you as much as you want them is what i would say so anywhere where you can find local meetups um so the the app meetup is is a biggie um if you're in a city you're very lucky because most cities now will have some kind of tech meetup um if not loads of online communities so product collective women in product mind the product all of these places have free sessions where you can learn um you can join and even re request to speak i think a lot of being in products is constantly wanting to learn and understand more it's not about wanting to code you literally don't have to code it's not a barrier for you to get into product management at all i think the interest is in the kind of strategic approach the understanding of what we can do with technology because it essentially is strategy right it's just putting it into an online space so you're looking at this one thing and thinking where's that going to go you know in in the old world you may have had a physical product it's just a digital product so i think yeah first step would be understanding is that the right role for you have a look at those online communities go listen to people talk about what it means to be a product manager if it sounds good ask around you're already embedded in the communities people might want to mentor you so there's loads of great mentoring opportunities um and then honestly for me it's there's a massive massive part of just getting yourself embedded, looking at those great opportunities. I can't believe how many awesome opportunities are out there that we just don't know about. You know, now that I'm in this world, I can see it. And it's so frustrating to me because if we go back to the point of I'm from a working class background, right? At no point did I see anybody saying, hey, do you want to come to a free uh, Girls Who Code event? Free for like two days. <laughs> like that was not a thing. And I think as well, we have to be careful of some kids find out about this stuff through their parents because the parents are already in those circles, right? Not every kid has that. So how do we do better outreach? Again, to come back to my early point is it, it works both ways. But yeah, if you're wanting to get into product, honestly, the best thing you can do is start immersing yourself in those communities because you'll just see how many opportunities come up. Recruiters are always there. Speaking opportunities are there just everything courses people will often ask you in the communities as well hey i'm doing some user research do you want to just fill this in for me and like come along to this session absolutely get stuck in oh i love that and isn't that refreshing because yeah when i was when i was younger like we talked about it was always i felt like it was so one-sided and how great that there are these opportunities and like you say free because that accessibility piece whatever background you're from, you know, if your parents can't afford to send you on certain courses. And also I think for me, like if, if I was recruiting a role and someone 
came to me you know without the qualifications but had done all of this immersive stuff off their own back exactly. then that just speaks volumes for that individual and I know we talked about I know we've got to wrap up soon but um I, one of my favorite which I've told you the story about uh, to a few different people about when you were on uh, uh, having an interview and you got a maths was it a, an equation on the spot talk about yeah, worst interview process ever yeah <laughs> tell us about that so I think it's fair to say there's a lot of I don't want to say misunderstanding or just a, a lack of understanding probably of neurodiversity um and on top of that just if we have like a venn diagram of neurodiversity you've also got on the sidelines there you've got things like anxiety or ocd or you know lots of different things that could kind of play into this why do we want people to sweat so much on interviews why do we put these crazy situations together where people are like uh, actually maybe I'm just not going to do the interview I, I don't like it. I'm not going to do it we want people to be their best self right we want them to represent who they are be as comfortable as they can be it just is crazy to me so um yeah on two different occasions for two very big companies I was asked to do on the spot with no prep a maths challenge one of them was just off the cuff like again it, not not the best thing for me to even give you an example of but it was something along the lines of if x customers reported this particular problem and you had 14 people um, to address the problem like can you put together a value versus effort qualification type thing i was like huh <laughs> maybe but like then i'd be in a world where i'd have a calculator i'd have a pen and paper i'd be working with analysts none of this is realistic for a for a day-to-day -day job and another one was, we just want to see how you work this scenario out. So if you want to make some notes, crack on. And they just watched me on Zoom. Probably, my face was probably like, ah, <laughs> all the time. But yeah, that does not happen. If anybody is sat here with, you know, listening with a similar background and a similar brain type, neurospicy is a nice term. I think uh, lots of us like to use. If you feel like that, honestly, the best thing you can do is just say okay just so you know <laughs> so a lot of companies now ask in advance do you need any specific things do you want to let the recruiter know anything just be open about it honestly because i think it helps people to understand that this is not okay <laughs> that they shouldn't be asking these silly questions and there's absolutely no benefit you're just losing great people so I had to cut that interview short a little bit because even though it was a chat about tech, my Wi-Fi was completely playing up. So the last part of the interview, when I'm sort of rounding everything up, is just really crackly. But I managed to salvage the main part of the interview. I really hope you enjoyed it. Em is such a breath of fresh air and I think she is such a great person to be talking about women in tech, accessibility, and just making it appeal to even more women because let's face it women are incredible they're talented and we need to see more women in these incredible tech roles so if you haven't please subscribe to the podcast leave us an honest review and don't forget to join the membership it's absolutely free and we've got our first live coaching uh, session taking place on the 13th of September and it's all about confidence and the session is with Anna Manning so head over to the show notes 
join the membership, free careers, um, wellness, on-demand content, plus a, a monthly live session. It's a great place to be. You can create your own profile. And in the next month, we're going to be creating our circles within the community so you can start to network and meet other people. You can also even add a little bio. So if you're thinking about, you know, getting a new role or just wondering what is out there in the world of tech or any other career for that matter, or you're thinking of just having a total change, you can do that in a safe space in the Jobs for Women community. So as always, thank you for joining me. Thank you for supporting Jobs for Women. And don't forget to send this episode to someone you think might benefit from listening. Take care. See you soon.